Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, believers and non-believers. I wanted to remind you that if you join the believer tier of my Patreon before the end of the year, I will send you a free signed poster. And there's also great bonus content from this episode that will only be available on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to learn more. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. Testing, testing, audio testing. This is Mike Cleland. He reached out to me after hearing me on my friend Ryan Sprague's podcast, Somewhere in the Skies. My name is Mike Cleland, and I have been actively researching, I guess, paranormal subjects. There's a wide range of them. The core of my research has been owls and how they play into... The term I use is highly charged human events. I'll be honest, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect from this conversation. The connection between owls and UFOs was not one I was super familiar with. But after speaking with him about his research, I was hooked. I wanted to learn even more. And even while editing this episode, I began to have my own strange owl synchronicities. I hope this episode changes the way you think about aliens, UFOs, and the messages hidden in plain sight all around us. I also wouldn't be surprised if you began seeing owls in your own life as well. I have worked for over a decade, a little bit obsessively, uh, trying to make sense of this. And what happened was I started a blog And I was basically putting these stories out there. Now, the reason I'm putting these stories out there is because I have had many, many unusual experiences with owls. Some of these involve uh, UFOs, I have to say. And and I I might lose your audience here, but I I, I can't proceed forward without saying this. I feel I have had the direct contact experience, what someone else might call abduction. I, f- I feel very strongly that has happened in my life. And because of that, and because of all the owls I was seeing as I was looking into this, I started a blog back in 2009 and I I basically put a little thing on the sidebar of the blog and it just says, I want to hear your owl stories. And what has happened is I have received thousands of letters and I'm receiving one a day and that's been going on for a decade one good letter a day. And I try to get back to everyone. And what has happened is I am now at the point where, where I'm, I'm flooded with so many 
of these stories that, like, I no longer have the luxury of disbelief. So how did all of this begin? It's often said that people who have frequent paranormal experiences of any kind usually have them from a young age. At 12, Mike had some odd experiences involving lights, UFOs, and time jumps. Then at 30, he had this incredibly bizarre encounter. The winter of 1992 and 93, I woke up in the middle of the night, I sat up in bed, and there was a bright light coming through the window. And I looked out the window, and there were five beings walking towards the house. They were backlit by a bright light, like a bright, bright light, an unusually bright light. And this was a scary image. These were skinny beings. They looked like they were about four feet tall. They had the big bald heads and these big black eyes. And and it seemed like their bodies were too skinny to like support the size of their head. It like some sort of insect almost. They seemed to have on like a tight fitting garment. It seemed to be just light colored. From where I was in the way they were backlit, I didn't know if it was shiny or if it had a color, but it seemed to be just a, a neutral, tight fitting garment. And they were walking in unison and they were walking towards the house and I should have been shocked. I should have been just overcome by adrenaline, but I wasn't. I had this very unnerving calmness. Like I felt like, the way I described it, it felt like my emotions were sucked dry. I, I looked at these beings. They were definitely walking towards the house. I was alone in the house at the time. And I heard a voice in my head that said, Oh yes, they're here. Now is the time to put your head on the pillow and shut down. And that's exactly what I did. And the next morning, I dismissed it as a dream. I recall, like physically, I felt fine. But emotionally, I was, I was a wreck. And I purposely did not go out in the yard to see if there were any footprints in the snow. I just felt like it was, it was too absurd and I didn't trust it. It wasn't until another 14 years later that Mike had another experience that sparked his journey of connecting UFOs and owls. 40, in 2006, I would have been 44 years old. I was living uh, right near Grand Teton National Park and right near Yellowstone National Park, a beautiful part of the country. And there was a young woman. I had never met her before. And we had talked a little bit. She was working at a school that I worked at. And I was working at an outdoor school. I was teaching camping and mountaineering and skiing in the winter. And she was working at the school, like just in the office there. I said to her, oh, you should go. You must have camped a lot this summer. She said, no, I haven't camped at all. I said, well, I'll take you camping for one night. And so we went out into the mountains with very little gear and without even a tent. It was supposed to be lovely weather. And as the sun was setting, three owls began flying over our head. And it was remarkable. When we laid our sleeping bags down on the ground and the stars were out, these owls were still flying above us and they would swoop down above our faces and they would blot out the stars for just one second. It was absolutely magical. And she recognized it too. So the next morning, we were both like on fire with this, wow, that was so cool. The owls, that was so cool. And I said, I'll, let's go camping again. So three days later, I called her up again. And at sunset, the same exact thing happened. We were an entirely different part of the mountain range. Three owls flew over us. 
They landed on branches near us. They landed at our feet. And to have it happen once was pretty cool. But to have it happen twice, within four days, with the same person, like, it scared me. It was so unnerving. And, and at the time, I did not talk about this. But when I saw those owls, three owls, I'm convinced they were real owls, standing at our feet, I had the thought in my head that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. And that thought was clear. And afterwards, I started to look into my own experiences. And I started to try to make sense of those memories, those childhood memories. And what happened was I started asking people. I would just call up people who do abduction research. I would call them up on the phone. And one of the things I would ask is that, do you have any stories with owls? And the researchers would say, oh, yeah. And then I started meeting people who had contact with UFOs. And I asked them, have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? And they, they would say, oh, yes, no one's ever asked me this. And then they would tell me the weirdest stories. So owls, here's the common story of owls and UFOs. This is common. Like, this happens a lot. Like, I, I, this shows up in my email inbox all the time. Someone's walking through the forest. They look up and they say, hey, there's an owl. Look at that owl. Hey, check, check that out. And the owl flies off and then a UFO flies over. An, like a craft, usually a triangle craft will fly over moments after they were looking at an owl. This is a perfect example. So there's a woman, she's in Brazil. She contacted me and she was on her balcony. and this flying saucer is like flying across. She's like, this is a big urban place in Brazil. And this flying saucer is flying over the city. And there's a narrow building right across from her balcony. And the flying saucer goes behind the building and it's zooming along. And she's kind of turning her head, expecting it to come out the other side. And it doesn't come out. And she went, hey guys, where are you? At that moment, two owls landed on her balcony and lived there for the next month. And she was a very spiritual woman. And she was she was a wonderful witness because she was so thoughtful. She basically, these, these owls lived on her balcony and were like her friends for the next month. She said that one owl brought a rat to the, to, to the balcony and she went out in the balcony and said, nope, no rats. And the owls flew off and they never came back. So here, I want to tell one story. This is actually a very... This is an important story to me. So uh, this goes back to 2013, and my mother had been suffering terribly from Alzheimer's, and she was living in an assisted living facility near where my sister lives, and she had an aneurysm. And my brother called me up and said, you need to come to your, be with your sister and I right now. Get on a plane. So I got on a plane. I came there. My brother, sister, and I spent three days sitting with my mom. She passed very peacefully. I was with her. My sister and I were there together when my mom passed. She had suffered terribly. And and my brother and sister and I had a long talk how none of us were sad because the last few years of her life were frightening and confusing for her, and it broke our hearts. So this happened at about three in the morning when she passed, my mom passed. And then we tried to sleep the next day. You can't, I mean, we're trying, we got to organize the funeral and we got to do all these things. And, and so there came a point when it felt like the day had wound down and we're sitting on my sister's back deck and her friend, Ruthie, who lives right across from my sister is there. Now, let me say leading up to this, I would sit with my sister and brother 
my brother's name is Jim, my sister's name is Jeannie. And I would be checking my email and I would basically say, oh, here's another owl story. And I'd read an owl story aloud. And they're very bizarre, most often to do with UFOs, but other things too. And and my brother and sister had no idea what I was talking about. I mean, I was they treated me like, this is too weird. We don't like this. This is too weird. So we're on the back deck, drinking a glass of wine. The day had wound down and Ruthie sits across from us. She's My sister lives in North Carolina. Ruthie is very Southern, very proper, very polite. And she said, Jim, Jeannie, Mike, I have a story to tell. I know there's an afterlife. I know there's an afterlife. And I know because of an owl. And when she said that, my sister like literally did the thing where she put her hands over her ears and went, no, 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 no. And my brother looked at me like, did you put her up to this? Did you put this? Did you put Ruthie up to this? Like, and I'm, and Ruthie immediately saw this weird, like, body language and my brother and sister acting totally weird. And I, I, I had to say, like, Ruthie, now you don't know this, but my brother and sister do. I am doing owl research. I'm looking into owls that are connected to highly charged human experiences, including death, including, I don't think I said UFOs. I might have said it, but I, I bet you I, I kind of danced around that a little bit. And I said, I want to hear your story. She said, my daddy died. It was terrible. It broke my heart, and I was grieving. And there's a nature trail, and I'd walked on this nature trail. It's right connected to the neighborhood where my sister lived. And there's this nature trail, and I'd walk it every day to try to process the grieving of my father. And every day I would pass this owl. And it happened day after day after day. And then there came a day was like, wait a minute, owls aren't supposed to be here in the day. And then she heard an owl hooting, and she looked up, and at a branch, a very low branch, very close to her, was an owl. And she looked at this owl and she said, Are you my daddy? And at that moment, she felt all her grieving disappear. It just subsided. It just, the tide went out. And, and the owl flew off. And she was at peace with her father's passing. Now, this is the same story that shows up over and over and over and over in my research. And as I said before, I am convinced this is the same story that has shown up all throughout human history. This is where we get the myth of the owl traveling to the land of the dead and coming back with a message. So, like, there's every reason to ignore the UFO stuff, right? It's too hot of a topic. But all of us are on a one-way road and death's great door is waiting for us. And I have heard so many heartwarming stories about owls and death. Here, one more. This woman contacted me, and she's a reporter for a newspaper. And and she said, listen, this thing happened. I was covering this memorial for, for a civic leader in our town. And this thing happened, and I can't put it in the paper, but I can tell, I can tell you. Just She Googled me and found me. She said, I can, I can tell you. And she said there was a big memorial. The town square in our little town was full of people, and everyone was there to celebrate this man's life. So he was a gay man, and he was involved in the gay community in this town. And he was very much revered, and he was doing a lot of work politically. And at this memorial, an owl flew and landed on a lamppost in the middle of the park. The park is full of people. This is highly unusual. This simply doesn't happen. And what happened organically, no one had to like decide on this. People lined up and they would walk up to the lamppost and they would say, John, 
This feels great. I just, I want to tell you, John, your life meant a lot to me, and I'm really proud to have known you. And he would step aside, and the next person would walk up and talk to this owl and say, give their thanks for John being such a great guy and all his hard work. And this woman sent me pictures. I have pictures of this owl in the lamppost and people, like, standing below it. Like, they were, I mean, they were, they talked to this owl as if it was their dead friend. Does this remind you of anything? It reminds me of the story Gurley shared in Season 1, Episode 4, where her family began taking turns speaking to her aunt as though she was her deceased grandmother. Our ability to recognize that what we are physically seeing may not be what we are actually communicating with is completely natural to us. Here is another time when an owl presented itself to someone who needed it. I was contacted by a fellow named Lon Friend, and he got a hold of me after his mother died. And not only did his mother die, but his aunt died too, so his mother's sister. Now, they were born 11 years apart, and they died 11 days apart. And I looked at this on a calendar, and I realized that my mother died 11 days after Aunt Esther died. So there was a gap of 11 days and a gap of 11 days. And that that synchronicity really struck me. Like, it felt like I was meant to hear this story from Lon. And Lon told me the story where he's, after, the, after his mother died, he was seeing owls everywhere. Like, he spent the night at his mother's house after the funeral, just to organize things and take care of things. And there was an owl hooting out the window. And Aunt Esther's daughter, his cousin, called him up later and said, Lonnie, Lonnie, I'm like, I can't get over this. I'm still grieving. I'm grieving. I can't get over this. I'm just sad about mom's death and I miss her terribly. And Lon said, just, just wait. There'll be a sign. Don't worry. And it was within a few days that this woman, Lon's cousin, walks into the garage. She's in Florida. She walks into the garage and she moves a bucket and on a shelf in the garage and there's this little owl on the shelf and it's staring at her. She gets out her phone and she takes a picture of it and I have the picture and she sends it to Lon and she's on the phone and she's saying, Lonnie, mom, mom, Lonnie's here. Lonnie, like, like Lonnie's here with us. And so both Lonnie and his cousin talk to this owl as if it's his aunt or the woman's mother. And she said it was really interesting. It was the, it was the one shelf in the garage that was my shelf. Everything else was her husband's, but she got one shelf in the garage and that's where the owl was. And she had never seen an owl in 25 years of living in, in Florida. And so they go out to dinner that night and they come back and the owl's still in the, on the shelf. And she goes out and says, Mom, Mom, I got the message. I got the message. You can go now. And the owl flew off. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer. And podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. 
You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So after all my research and after after immersing myself so thoroughly in this, I now see the owl as a totem, and it would be a totem for a challenge. Like that, if you are presented with an owl at a highly charged moment, right? You're you're at a cross point in your life. You are at a point in your life where you're at a point of yearning, and you see an owl. Like, pay attention. This is not a light and fluffy totem. You are being confronted with a challenge. Now, the challenge doesn't necessarily make it bad. Um, you know, hard work often has rewards, but you are confronted with something challenging. And I would say that is exactly the same thing with being confronted with a UFO, right? You are confronted with a UFO. Whoa, that is a challenge. Like all of a sudden, everything you've been taught is out the window. You have been confronted with something that says reality is not like your junior high school science teacher told you it is. Something else is going on. And, and that is hard work to move beyond that. So like the owl, the UFO has a similar totem message in a way. The term UFO, much like the term alien, comes with a lot of baggage, which is why for a long time I wasn't as interested in studying them. But the more that I learn about ghosts and spirits, the more I understand how similar all aspects of the paranormal world are. Right, so we have this this perception, or this, I will actually say this misperception of what alien must mean. And I, I use the term alien, like you look in the dictionary, there's a definition for alien. It says something so different as to be unknowable. So like aliens to me, you know what I call them? I call them myth makers. I think that's actually fair. They're the, they're the same myth makers that were making our mythology in ancient times. Then you have to ask, like, what is the myth? Like, they're not storytellers. They're not, they are myth makers in the truest sort of definition of the word. You know, Joseph Campbell, who is a mythologist, a comparative mythologist, and sort of my North Star in this research, I really turned to him a lot. You know, someone asked him, you know, what, you know, what's our new myth? And I was watching this on VHS and I said, our new myth is the UFO. And that's not what he, that's not what Joseph Campbell answered. He answered, we simply can't know what our new myth will be the same way we can't know what tonight's dream will be. My sense is that this is a powerful archetype, and it is here to play the same role that a myth would play. And that, that a myth is here to teach us lessons, to give us a, a lesson in how to not so much live our lives, but how to proceed forward with challenges. It's the same lesson any teacher would want to impart on the student, right? It, it's the to be less selfish, 
to be more giving, to trust in the oneness of everything. This is, I'm not making this up. I mean, this is, comes right out of the literature and this comes right out of people who have interacted with these beings. There's tons of this stuff out there where people have, have said, you know, I spoke to the aliens and this is what they said. They said, I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close. We as humans presently have powerful, powerful technologies. We lack a spiritual foundation. Like we are in a place of danger right now. Our technologies are more developed than our spirituality. So we are at a loss. We are at a drift. Our, our technology has become our spirituality in a way. And that is the warning that gets repeated over and over and over again. That we are collectively, as a species, marching towards our own doom. And that, that we need to change our spirituality in order to to not take that locomotive train off the cliff. So I feel a responsibility to make sure that these stories don't drift away. I, these stories need to be told, and I feel honored that I can tell them. So I have my life has flipped over 10 times in the last 10 years, and I am at this place now where I have these stories, and I recognize that we as a society need to hear these magical, touching, beautiful stories that have nothing to do with UFOs, but everything to do with like our connection to the spirit world, the mysterious, beautiful, playful connection to the spirit world that is showing up with this magnificent bird. The day I began editing this episode, a friend of mine messaged me asking if I had any owl experiences. I said no and thought the timing of her message was pretty strange. She then sent me an article about a Filipino goddess named Delika Mata, who has connections to owls. This goddess truly resonated with me for other reasons, so much so that I was compelled to illustrate her. Then, over the next week, owls kept symbolically appearing to me. On websites I visited, in the movies I watched, on my cousin's clothing, in my parents' home, and in my dreams. I go in-depth about these owl appearances on storieswithsapphire.com. I just couldn't believe it. It felt like listening to Mike's stories again had flipped on some sort of switch. Now, a skeptic could easily look at all these stories and experiences and find nothing out of the ordinary about them. Maybe I'm just noticing owls more because they're on my mind. Just because those people began talking to that owl doesn't mean it was that man's spirit. And those are all completely valid thoughts. But it's like learning a new language. It's all meaningless actions and symbols until you understand what is being communicated to you. And then you are incapable of unknowing. I'm only just barely learning to speak this language, but this is what I believe these owls mean to me. This last year or so has been wildly transformative. I quit my job, I began seeing a therapist, I received batok for the first time, I could go on. I am nowhere near the same person I was over a year ago. And I believe that these owls are reminding me to continue the work I'm doing, of searching within my own darkness to overcome my anxieties so that I can move on to the next stage of my life. 
And if these owls actually don't mean anything, I'm still doing work on myself that needs to be done. Now that you've listened to this episode, you also now are beginning to speak the language. You might even start seeing owls in your own life, and you will have a choice. Will you pay attention or ignore them? You're going to notice them. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to come. I bet you're going to call me before the week is up or send me an email before the week is up. If you'd like to learn more about Mike's work, check out his websites, hiddenexperience.blogspot.com and messengersthebooks.com. Thank you for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to see the different tiers and perks, like live watch parties or private tarot readings. If you join before the end of the year, you'll receive a signed poster from me. And there will be bonus content released from my interview with Mike available for patrons only. If you'd like to submit a story, email me at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to Mike Cleland. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. For more information on this episode and my guest, visit storieswithsapphire.com. <laughs>